You can all be seated. How was your Christmas? Yeah. Did anybody get coal? It's good for barbecuing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. How about a Red Rider BB gun? I don't see any eye injuries in here, so. <clears throat> Happy New Year. I'm really glad to be here with you all this morning of our first gathering of 2023. I was in bed at 9 p.m. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For those of you who are new, I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so glad you came to check us out. When you leave, don't forget to grab your gift. Pastor Mike and Stacy will be back next week. And so every message, I do a Missiano update. And yes, I know I gave one four weeks ago, but a lot can happen in a month. And so um, my son Luke, his personality is developing. It is clear that he looks like me, but he has my wife's personality. Get this, he grabs his pillow, he grabs his blanket, he grabs his stuffed animals every night and he builds a little fortress around his head. And so my wife and I go in every night to adjust his fortress. Thank God for crib cameras. Speaking of crib cameras, that's my son. And on the floor is his crib camera. So um, ineffective for the uh, fortress that he builds at night. We're working on mounting it in a new location. Now my daughter Eliana has secured her slot as daddy's little girl. Um, look at her. She has wrapped me around her finger, uh, my little angel. I cannot get enough of her. She is the spitting image of her beautiful mother. And watch out, world. She has my personality. <laughs> yes. She's super smart, but she does have a little bit of stage fright. And this next picture is terrible. Um, that's her. <laughs> at, yep, at her first performance that's her cousin, Alejandro, and uh, that's how I felt the first message I ever got up here and preached. Now, my daughter, Elizabeth, she's amazing. She told me that my wrinkles are becoming more evident day by day. She even sent me this picture, <laughs> yeah, to remind me of what I look like, and she said, Dad, it even has blue eyes like you. That little stinker. Now, my incredibly beautiful wife, Dr. Missiano, she's super mom and super wife. She continues to love me and support me, and God uses her every day in my life to make me better. Men, thank God for our brides. Amen. Amen. And then finally, there's me. Last time I was 40, now I'm 41. Does anybody have any ibuprofen? <laughs> you know, I feel it. This, this old guy right here, I feel like an old soldier. Um, I can't wait to permanently wear my uh, Iraqi freedom hat. I'm gonna wait a couple more years before I wear it all the time, but man, am I feeling it. Thanks for praying for us, and my wife and I, were praying for you. Um, I just returned back from the Dominican Republic a few weeks ago, and I brought a team of 12 incredible people, and man, we worked hard for the Lord. Shout out uh, next door, Mike Markham um, in Calvary Kids and the team for doing an amazing job. 
teaching the kids about Jesus and my brother-in-law, Manny, for translating the gospel in Espanol, because that's probably one of eight words that I know how to say, or two in Espanol. And so the kids heard about Jesus on their level. Now this trip was linked to our annual Christmas in Haiti. You guys saw the whole month of November, we're we're asking you to make a donation, we're asking you to fill a bag and sponsor a child. And so we literally had everything flown to the Dominican, and it was transported all the way to the orphanage. And there's a friend who told me to make sure the kids had the best Christmas ever. And let me tell you, they did. If you take a look at this next picture, they had a party. On that table are all the bags that if you filled one, that's because of you. Thank you for impacting over 135 orphans. Now on the bottom right, the gentleman Ro Benson is actually back there this morning. He stayed in Haiti an additional few weeks after we left to make sure the kids had an amazing party. Now, the donation that came in um, in total was more than we needed, and we were able to bless Global Vision Citadel Ministry with a huge donation. And that's them, yeah, telling thank you to Calvary Port St. Lucie. By the way, you should join us on a trip, whether it's Israel or it's the Dominican or El Salvador, we'd love to bring you on a trip with us. And so the message today is titled, Changed. You could turn your Bibles to Acts, the ninth chapter. The message this morning is titled, Changed. Turn your Bibles to Acts, the ninth chapter, and I wanna have an opening thought while you're looking there. It is a new year. You're here today and possibly you're anticipating a message about a new year and a new you. But I'm here to say we're not doing that today. How about a message on what is new in your life since you've been saved? Or better said, what are you doing with your new life since you've been given it? What does it mean to be changed, and who in the Bible can we look to to see a life that was changed? Who better to talk about than the Apostle Paul? Now, I'm going to talk about Saul. We're gonna go over his life, and then we're gonna jump right into Acts chapter nine, his conversion, and there's gonna be a few application points at the end, and then we're gonna pray and be about our way. But before we do all of that, we're gonna stop now and invite the Lord into this message. And so God, first and foremost, thank you for your grace. Paul preached it because he experienced it. God, you are good and you are wonderful and merciful and your mercies are new each day. I don't know who in this room today needs to hear this message, but I know I certainly did just to be reminded about what you're able to do in the life of somebody willing to let you do a work in their life. And so God, as I rightly divide and speak your truth today, I pray that I would completely, completely decrease. And God, that you would completely increase, that you would overflow into the hearts of the congregation today, that they would be changed, but not because it's a new year, new beginning. Changed because you've been given a new life, 
And so help us, Jesus, today to honor you. And it's in your name we pray, amen. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at Paul's resume. Now, Paul didn't send this to me. I put it together. So um, I used the Bible to apply it, right? So it's the scriptures that have helped me unpack this. Now, this is gonna be on the screen for a while, so uh, take a picture of it. Um, I just wanna go over some of these points with you. And so Paul in the Greek, Saul in Hebrew. He was born in Tarsus in Cilicia around one or five AD in that time frame. He was born in the province in the southeastern corner of modern-day Torsos, which is Turkey, He was of Benjamite lineage and Hebrew ancestry. You can reference uh, Philippians chapter three, five, six later, and it'll help you understand that's his lineage and his ancestry. Now, his parents were Pharisees. Pharisees were Jewish nationalists who adhered strictly to the law of Moses to protect their children from the contamination of the Gentiles. Anything Greek would have been hated and despised in Saul's home. But get this, he could speak Greek, passable Latin, Aramaic, which is a derivative of Hebrew, which was the official language of Judea. So he was smart. I mean, three languages, wow. Very, very smart. Now Saul's family were Roman citizens but they viewed Jerusalem as their home, as the holy city, a sacred and holy city. Now you can go later and read Acts, the 22nd chapter, and you can see where Paul was born in Rome. He was a citizen of Rome by birth. Now, speculation around the age of 13, Saul came to Judea to learn from a rabbi named Gamaliel. Now, Gamaliel was a first century Jewish rabbi and a leader in the Jewish Sanhedrin. Now, Gamaliel is mentioned a couple times in the scriptures as a famous and well-respected teacher. Indirectly, he influenced and had a profound effect on the early church. Now, so Gamaliel is Saul's teacher. He's under his leadership, and he helps him master Jewish history. He helps him master the Psalms. He helps him master the works of the prophets. It's possible that his education under Gamaliel was five to six years, where he learned the art of dissecting the scriptures sitting at the feet of his teacher. And it was during this time that he developed a question and answer style of teaching in the ancient times known as diatribe. Now you can see it clearly in Paul's teachings, specifically Romans. Should we continue in sin, paraphrased? Question, certainly not. Question and answer style teaching. Now this method of articulation helped the rabbis debate the finer points of the Jewish law and also prosecute during that time. So it would be fitting that Saul would go on to become a lawyer. And all signs point to him 
becoming a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court of 70 men and the high priest who ruled over Jewish life and the religion. Don't know this for sure, but it certainly seemed like this is the course that he was on. Now Saul was zealous for his faith. He was zealous for his faith, and he did not allow any compromise. And it is this inability to compromise that led him down this path of religious extremism. In Acts, the fifth chapter, Peter is delivering a defense before the Sanhedrin of the gospel of Jesus. Saul, more than likely, heard this. Gamaliel was present at this address, and he responds and delivers a message to calm down the council to prevent them from stoning Peter. Saul might have even been present at the trial of Stephen. But what we do know is that he was certainly present for his stoning and death. He held the garments of those who did the stoning. You could look at the screen, Acts, the seventh chapter, verse 58. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Stephen's dead. A great persecution is about to break out against the church. We see that in Acts 8.1. Saul approved of his, Stephen's, execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were scattered all throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. The, ch the church was being persecuted. People were leaving. Saul was determined to eradicate, destroy, and put an end to Christians. He was ruthless in his pursuit and he believed that he was acting in the name of God. Arguably, I don't think there's anything more frightening or more vicious than a religious terrorist. Especially when that religious terrorist believes that he's doing the will of God. Our country experienced that September 11th, and it was horrific, horrifying. Religious terrorism, and that is exactly who Saul of Tarsus was. He was a religious terrorist. Look at Acts 8.3. Saul was ravaging the church Entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Man, this is a scary guy. But something is about to happen. 
something is about to take place in this religious terrorist's life. And so if you would, buckle your seatbelts because we're gonna plow through. We're gonna talk about what took place. Acts 9 verse one. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, Jesus, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Saul is changed. Something major has happened. We're gonna pick it right back up in verse 10 and read all the way through 19. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord, and the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he may regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is my chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. Then he rose and he was baptized. 
and taking food, he was strengthened. Folks, if you look at the screen here, an encounter with Jesus is all you need. A true encounter with Jesus can change your life. And that's what happened on the road to Damascus. Saul was changed. He encountered the risen Christ and everything was becoming new. Can you imagine what was running through the mind of Paul? He's on his way to bring terror to the followers of the way. Then being blinded and having to depend on others to help him. Possibly during this time, he might be thinking about all that he had done. He might have been thinking about Stephen. At this moment, he encounters Jesus and, and he's now blind and, and now he's dependent on others to help him because he cannot see and he's, he's inwardly reflecting the fact that he was a student of the scriptures and yet he missed the Messiah. What was going on in his mind? Now, can you imagine what Ananias was thinking? Holy smokes. What would you think if a terrorist came knocking on your door Saturday morning? Hey, I know the FBI has been looking for me, but I found Jesus. You might be like, where's the baseball bat? Or, or where's, where's the Glock? I don't know, your preference. Now, back in the day, Ananias must have been thinking, he must have been like, man, if I'm gonna do this, where's my shepherd's staff gonna be or my clay pot in case things get out of control? I mean, that's crazy. He was, he was even like, what? Isn't this the guy, the guy who's torturing all your people? You want me to go do what? What? I mean, what was going through his mind? All jokes aside, Ananias obeyed. He obeyed, and he was very human about it. He was like, hey, um, isn't this the bad guy? You want me to do what? God knows best. The Lord knows best, and when he tells us to do something, we should do it. I love that we clearly see that, that Paul is changed. He comes to the end of himself and then he's filled with the Holy Spirit and then he's baptized. You see, it's the order. You get saved and you get baptized and you, you really don't know about salvation until you can really understand it in your mind. That's why we don't do infant baptisms. Somebody has to be at the age of accountability to say yes to the gospel, and then we follow that with believer's baptism, and that's what happened to Paul. His whole life was a wreck. He had no idea in his own mind it was all good. He comes to the end of himself, and he encounters Jesus. He's blinded and then redeemed. Only the Lord knows what Paul was praying because Jesus said it to Ananias. Hey, in the dream, he's praying to me right now. 
he realized that he had got it all wrong. He must have been broken. He must have been thinking about all the suffering that he had caused. That's what I think. He came to the end of himself and he's praying to, to Jesus. And he goes from a religious zealot, a racist, a racist man towards the Gentiles, a terrorist. To look at the next slide. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. Paul was changed. He was blinded to belief, to baptism, to boldness. I'm working on doing those things with the letters and making all of the words the same, the four Bs, right? So, so he's, he's blinded to belief. And then he's baptized to being bold for the gospel. Now get this, it continues Paul goes on to Arabia, perhaps a few years for preparation to his ministry. And then he goes on three missionary journeys. Now you might be going, that's, yeah, three, that's, that. they didn't have planes, trains, or automobiles. Three missionary journeys back in the day, they didn't have a fleet feet where he could make sure he's getting the intonation and pronation of his foot, getting the right shoe. I mean, he went on mission. Three missionary journeys. That's incredible. Get this. He goes on to write Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st Thessalonians, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus. This man was changed. Which if you look at the screen... That's why that's true. God can save anyone. Look what he did in, in the life of Paul. A religious terrorist transformed into a radical follower of Jesus. Writing a huge percentage of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, changing his way of thinking and honoring the Lord with his life. It wasn't a walk in the park for Paul. You remember what Jesus said. He said, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Now, if you could Write a little note, later read 2 Corinthians 11 about Paul's sufferings that Jesus was referencing at that time, but I'm gonna give you a little rundown of some of them. Paul worked harder. He had been in prison more frequently, flogged more severely, exposed to death again and again. Five times he received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was pelted with stones. Three times he was shipwrecked. He spent a day and a night in the open sea, 
constantly on the go, been in danger from rivers, bandits, fellow Jews, Gentiles, the city, the country, the sea, false believers. Uh, he went through it. He went through some hardship. That's what Jesus was referencing, how much he would have to suffer for his name. He was changed and he suffered for this change, but listen, he lived it out. Paul understood grace, absolutely understood grace. And after everything that he had done, after everything that he had done, he received forgiveness. Wow. He receives this great forgiveness and he receives this great grace. He endured his suffering with joy. He never forgot who he was, but he left it behind and pressed on towards the goal. And because of God's grace in his life, it didn't matter what life threw at him because he had been redeemed. There's so much more to say about the life of Paul. So, so, so much more to say about the life of Paul. But that's all we're gonna talk about for Paul. I wanna highlight a few points here. I gave you Paul's resume in the beginning. Now at the road to Damascus, if I updated his resume at that point, it would, have, it would look like this. And the asterisks would be the changes. And so if you notice, his citizenship was of Rome. Now, his citizenship is in heaven. And you can reference Philippians 3.20. His mentor before the road to Damascus was Gamaliel. Now you had Jesus. I love this possibly five to six years of education, but let's be honest, he was schooled on the road to Damascus. That was his wake-up moment. His profession went from lawyer to servant. And his passions, I didn't list any passions before. Now he's passionate about telling others about Jesus. Now, because it's a new year and because some people anticipated a new year, new you message, I wanna ask you this question. I want you to look back at your resume, quote unquote, before giving your life to Jesus. And what did it look like? Things that would be the same, your name, where you're born, your place of birth, your lineage, your ancestry, your, your parents, But your citizenship, that changed at salvation. What has changed in your life since your encounter with Jesus? I ordered um, vitamin K uh, a few weeks ago. Some of you are like, what's that? I don't know. I just, somebody told me it's good to take, so um, you can judge me. I'm a work in progress. Anyhow, I order it, and the package is delivered, and my wife opens the package, and she's like, hey, it's not here. And so I, you know, 
get on Amazon. I'm like, hey, you know, my vitamin K didn't show up. And uh, they're like, no problem. We're gonna issue you a full refund. And I was like, cool. I got my refund. <laughs> About a couple hours later, Michelle's like, oops. I, I, I didn't look on, all the way at the bottom of the box. <laughs> so we found the vitamin K. And I got the refund. So I was too tired. I was like, I'll just deal with this in the morning. I call Amazon the next morning. I was like, hey, I got the vitamin K. Can you please charge my card? And they're like, no. It's not a problem. Keep the vitamin K. Keep your refund. I'm like, no, 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 but I have the vitamin K. They're like, yeah, we know. Thank you for calling and letting us know. We're gonna update your account. And then they send me an email. We understand that you thought you didn't get it, but you received it. Um, you can keep it and keep the refund. It's all in writing. And I'm like, okay. Old Matt, old Matt would have been like, score! 36 bucks, man. New Matt, new Matt's like, nah, man, I can't do the wrong thing. I gotta call Amazon, I gotta let them know. I called them and I was like, hey, I didn't get it. Then I found out I did. Nobody would have known. I'm new. I gotta, I gotta honor the Lord with my life. Let's, let's just be honest, don't clap for me because I'm a work in progress. But let's, let's, we can clap for change in our lives because Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if you look at the screen, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Folks, if you have encountered Jesus, your resume should constantly be changing. I'm not talking about your name or, or the day you were born or anything like that, but I'm talking about like your passions, your convictions, living your life for the Lord. And let me just, get to, let me just make it very clear for America. We don't experience persecution the way Paul was persecuting the early church. We just don't. I'm not thinking, hey, we gotta get out of Port St. Lucie. It's getting hard for Christians. Thank God that he's blessing our country. We need to keep praying for that. If I go tell somebody about Jesus and offend them, is that really persecution? These guys were being stoned to death. I'm not worried about being stoned to death if I tell somebody about the love of Christ. Your spiritual resume should be changing. I wanna ask you also to consider, now that you've thought about your old resume, how about your new resume? What's changed in your life since you've encountered Jesus? Does your life look different? Maybe consider writing in your Bible right now or taking a note um, in your mobile device or, or a little uh, note with today's date. It's the 1st of January, 2023. What needs to change in your life? Let, let's not be like the rest of America where we make a commitment and then two months later 
We're like, oh, we'll start again next year. We can't keep hitting reset, Christians. If the Lord has rescued you, you should look different than the day he met you. You should constantly be changing more and more into the image of Christ. When people see you, they should see the love of Christ in you. What needs to change in your life? Put today's date on it. Next year, look back, and you should come find me and give me a high five because your spiritual resume has been updated because change is taking place in your life. But if change is not happening, have you encountered Jesus? Did you encounter him in your mind or have you encountered him in your heart? I gotta, I, I, listen, I am a work in progress. Just ask my wife. There's room for improvement and we're working at it. And sometimes I gotta go back and I gotta say I'm sorry. Grace is amazing, but not to abuse it. Not to continue saying I'm sorry for the same thing over and over and over and over and over again because eventually I'm gonna start to question it. Am I really sorry? You encounter the Lord and he changes you. You encounter the Lord and he makes all things new, but you have to walk with him. You have to spend time in his word. You have to be committed to living a life as a follower of Jesus and you will drop the ball. You will make mistakes, but admit it and quit it and move on. If Paul stayed in his past, he could have never moved forward into the calling that God had called him into. He had to forgive himself and receive that same forgiveness that Jesus had given him. Now maybe today um, you think about the old and the new, the old life and the new life. Now as you're thinking about that, I imagine when Paul's writing 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, the old is gone. He's probably thinking about Saul of Tarsus. He's probably thinking about, man, that life that he wasn't living, honoring the Lord, and then the new had come. He's thinking about, man, three missionary journeys, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I've been shipwrecked, and I'm living my life for the Lord no matter what. The new had come for him. I say it's pretty amazing, and if Paul were here right now, he would say that he's not amazing at all, and he would give all the glory to the Lord because that's where all the glory should go. So I wanna ask, are you living your life for the Lord? I don't have time to go into my encounter, but man, the Lord met me and I was a mess. Still a mess, Neil. A little, I got a little bit of work to do. But man, I was doing some stupid stuff. And, and, and the Lord met me and rescued me and has given me grace. If you're in this room today and you're like, you don't know what I've done. Well, did you hear what Paul did? Don't think that God's not willing to welcome you into his family because of how bad you are. In fact, he's willing to meet you today in this place 
to rescue you from yourself, from this path you're going down. Maybe in this room you're a follower of Jesus and you just haven't been allowing the Lord to come in and do that change and you're fed up. Make a commitment to the Lord that you're gonna live your life for him. Ministry team, you guys can come on up. Don't go out that way if you need to give your life to Jesus. Don't go out that way if you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Don't go out that way if you need prayer. Let everybody else transition that way. But, but if you fit into that category, come up and receive this ministry so that we can pray for you. Listen, remember this. Look what God did in the life of Paul the Apostle. Incredible grace. That's why he preached it, because he received it, and he knew he didn't deserve it, and that's how good God is. Let the Lord change your resume. Has it changed? If it hasn't, have you given your life to Jesus? And if it has changed, what can you work on? It's a work in progress life.